Hello, hello, and welcome to Temple of the False Pod, where decks are not optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. I'm Andy. I'm Bruce. And welcome to episode 130. Boop, 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 boop. Got a few things going on here. It's a finale, season 13 finale. Next next couple weeks are going to be little vignettes, little short ones, little, uh, it's our finale, it's, uh, it's, it's our third anniversary we've been doing this for three years now unbelievable unbelievable so we just thought we'd uh take a moment take a deep breath (sighs) (sighs) wonderful and uh we'd talk about our opinions on this freaking game that we love to talk about we've talked about it for too long and we haven't even talked about some of our basic interests within the game. So, if you're new to this podcast, welcome. If you're uh, a a frequent listener, welcome. I wrote up some questions. Some of them are pretty basic. Some of them are a little goofy, but we'll we'll see where this brings us. It's just some conversation about magic and the things we love about it. Um, How how long have you been playing magic? Because I started, I think... You brought me in right after or right during Rivals of Ixalan. So, like, my first yeah. pre-release was Dominaria. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Dominaria set in yeah. the winter of 2018. So, five years. Wow. Um, I got in roughly around Ice Age. Um, couldn't tell you anything more than that. Um <laughs> well, it just when I went into when I went into the shop to buy my first magic cards, uh Ice Age was available. There was also a whole pile of other stuff, but I think Ice Age was the most recent. It was definitely the most prominent thing on the shelf. Ice Age in 4th edition. I started with a 4th edition gift pack, which was two uh two of the starter decks, I think is what they were called then. I don't remember. Essentially, the, the starter deck was, it looked like a pack of playing cards. It was the equivalent of three packs of magic cards, but it came with extra land because, you know, back then you needed land because they weren't <laughs> lying around everywhere and there weren't tournaments everywhere to just scoop up a land. So um, I started with two of those and just like three or four boosters. Uh, I think there was a couple of Vice Age boosters. Probably started off with some Fallen Empires, maybe some Homelands boosters, because those were cheap. And, you know, at that point, I just wanted, I wanted bulk. I needed cards. Yeah. Uh, I was looking for even the cheapest stuff. So that's roughly when I started. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the best thing to do as a new player is, like, yeah. just just get a bunch of cards and then figure out if they're good later. Uh, right. And, and I'm one of the only people I know who started playing Magic and hasn't taken a break. Everybody stops, and then they just walk away from the game for a while, give it a year, two years, some longer, some a little bit shorter, and then they come back. And I never did that. I can't imagine who uh, would stop playing Magic for a year. (laughs) I mean, I guess, like, I'm keeping up with Arena sometimes and stuff, but, like, I, I haven't played Paper Magic since May, and before that it was October or something. Yeah. Um, or August. Uh, yeah. I, I've been meaning to to go to my local game store uh, and like 
yeah and like that's that's the other thing is like i know like a lot of people do play it and it, i i think i i lucked out with uh the privilege of joining an already established play group that would meet once a week at somebody's house rather than uh trying to to navigate dynamics with strangers uh right but i, I think the i mean it goes back and forth, right? Like Wizards of the Coast always says that the casual player, the one who buys, you know, a few packs of cards every once in a while and plays at their kitchen table, is the is easily the most dominant numbers wise of Magic players. Right. Um, and then there's the you know the competitive level player who, you know, goes to the, who goes to their shop, plays all the time, is constantly on arena, is you know, it, and is and just really loves that tournament format and is, you know, buying cards to keep up, you know, to maintain uh, their ability to play standard or what, or any other standard or pioneer or whatever other format they're, they're looking to play. I don't know how many, you know, how many play groups are there that meet on a weekly or even every two weeks or once a month to play magic at somebody's house or just, you know, not at a game store. I don't know. I, I am curious. I always believed that there were a lot of them out there, but now I sort of wonder. And if they do exist, I think a lot of them are really insular. Like they just have no idea of what's going on outside. I'm betting a lot of them are running, you know, they're playing Commander, but they're playing Commander with a pre-con from eight years ago, and they're still running that. Or maybe they added, you know, two cards or stuff yeah. along that lines. I just don't know. Um, yeah and it would be it would be curious to find out you know i mean my play group that i've that that we that i started started in 05 i mean and before that i was uh i went to law school but just before that i was in another play group that had existed from pretty much when i started playing they were you know this was a play group that i found i didn't create it i found it uh, and they played consistently for, God, I don't know, four years? Oh, wow. If I'm, if I'm remembering my math right. So it was like four or five years with a, with a really solid play group there, playing every week. And then I went to law school and uh, found one guy there, and, we, and the two of us played every week or a couple of weeks, and then got to Boston and... Got a play got a play group started within I don't know eight months. That's wild. Um, and yeah, and then we uh, it just sort of developed, and it's been going ever since. I mean, we stopped for the pandemic, but even then, we were playing on spell table mm. or on a what was it tabletop simulator? The tabletop simulator uh, for a few yeah. So and you know yeah, been very lucky. Yeah, and what I love too uh, about that is that it is. It's, it's definitely more about, as cheesy as this sounds, the gathering. Because, like, you, you know, you you brought me into this with the, the philosophy that it is, like, uh, it's like, you know, your dad's poker game type thing. Where it's like, yes. you're just kind of hanging out, eating pizza. You know, a few people have a couple drinks and just kind of, it's, it's about catching up. It's about having this as uh, a vehicle for the night rather like to fill in uh the the awkward silence you know or like have things to focus on 
that are just beyond you know the game and it's it's nice and casual and i think that that that's kind of the vibe we're always trying to to bring with this podcast um is like uh so many people ask me when i tell them that i have a magic podcast they're like oh what's it about and i was like well it's just i mean we, we talk about like casual stuff and uh at this point it's kind of like just a reason to keep in touch with bruce <laughs> um especially like since i moved um and it's just always so nice to have that consistency um especially especially once the pandemic hit especially once like you know all these things happen in life and uh that's that's what i love about magic is that like it does have that consistency um but uh with with that um do you do you find yourself like gravitating toward more like specific colors or um i guess i guess that's the big question right is like what's your favorite color in magic what's your favorite color bruce we're we're new friends my my favorite color in magic is white hmm it is um however as far as you know do i play more white than other colors no I've, I've sort of capped myself now with like 15 commander decks and I've, I've looked at it and I'm always trying to create a balance because I want to use all of my cards. So if I have a deck that I want to take apart, fine. That, you know, that, that's, you know, number 15 on my, in my top 15 list of commander decks and I take that one apart. Well, when I'm deciding which, what deck to build, I just look at which colors I'm playing the least because that generally is the way I go. And then like, oh, okay, well, you know what? I'm going to do a three-color deck this time. I pick those three colors. I look, you know, look at look for a commander in those three colors or a commander or a partner, you know, a partner uh, combo. Mm. And that's what I'm going to build with. So, you know, white is white is definitely my favorite color. I like the, I like the token creatures. I like the ability to do mass removal and white has a lot of you know pinpoint creature destruction stuff um yeah so i kind of like white but i you know i'm not going to pretend it's the best color so i yeah yeah no i i love white i think i think some of that is being contrary um i do love the things that white does i love vigilance i love you know the the incremental value um i love the idea (laughs) <laughs> I was gonna get there. I was gonna get there. Uh, with white, I love. I loved like the 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 small tokens. I love like going wide. I love the yeah. you know the the underdog of it all. But yeah, no, I think you you nailed it spot on. I think red is is uh, yeah, I love the 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 impulsivity. I love the 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 now the timing of it all. And I, I love that uh, with red, you can have. You can, there's so much instantaneous stuff that you can kind of steal wins from people with it, but right. uh, it, it also right. has the, the big creatures. It's also got the little yeah. creatures. It's got, you know, certain lines of play that you have to sequence it exactly um, to, to right. really get the best value. Red has the big swing, big game swings, and they're not always predictable. Mm. And and I know that's something you enjoy, and it's certainly something I enjoy as well. So, um, so I I went on to your architect, and I went on to my Moxfield, yeah. and typed up 
a list of all of our commanders. Sure. Um, and then broke it down by color identity. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I didn't go any further than that. I didn't go with like how much white is in this deck, how much yeah. red is in this deck, type of thing. Um, I think I got all your commanders, uh, including previous ones. Okay. Uh, it was about thirty-four, um, at least okay. on Architect. I don't know. Yeah. You, you may have lists elsewhere, um, but according to that, do you have any idea what your number one color is? And they're all relatively um, close, except I, for this first color. Really? Okay. Yeah. Um, I would assume green. It's red. Um, red? Okay. Yeah. So you've got 14 decks that have white in it. You've got 14 decks that have blue in it. You have 13 decks that have black in it. And you have 13 okay. decks that have green in it. With red, you've got 17. Okay. Uh, which is See, pretty my cool. neck. my next guess would have been black. So I still would have been way off. <laughs> um uh with what i have in moxfield um oh yeah i also didn't count your decks that you built specifically for episodes of this podcast right uh, so i didn't count those um with my decks that i found on moxfield i had 17 decks yeah um white had the least representation with four blue up next with six seven was green and then black and red both tied for 11 decks uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. But that also brings me into kind of like the next idea is like uh, when building a deck, do you have, do you try to strive for a specific number of colors? Um, knowing that I've already done the data, I thought I tried to do less than three. Just I always tried to do mono or, or two color mm-hmm. decks. My data proves that wrong. Uh, my data says that uh, out of the 17 decks, nine of them were three-color. Oh, okay. Uh, and I think what helps that idea is the fact that I- I've taken apart most of my three-color decks. Okay. Um, because I-, I think, generally speaking, I do love playing two-color decks. I think that they, they bring a little bit more restrictiveness, but also uh, it-, it-, it kind of yeah. it gels a little better, especially on the land mana base type thing where it's it's a little cheaper uh, yeah. to do two or one color decks. Um, what 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 are your thoughts on the the topic? Well, as far as monocolor, it's those are pretty rare. Um, I don't do many of those. I've got Nissa and Muzio currently. I don't know. I don't remember if I have anything else, but those generally speaking i don't do a lot of mono a lot of monocolored stuff um i feel like i'm primarily a two primarily two colors um i build a lot of decks that are two colors i've been building more that have been three color lately just because i feel like there's a lot of three color commanders that i would like to take a shot at um and i mess around with some uh you know try some out and just sort of build a quick deck listed to sort of get a sense of it so um but like right now i think i have four active three color decks um and i think just about everything else is two color except for nissa and muzio so yeah uh, yeah so i think i'm mostly two color but i could be wrong yeah no uh i think four seems about right um i know that you're building a f- one right now with three color one um, yeah for yeah, somebody else on... but uh um yeah no uh with with your numbers that I pulled uh, 
with the the 34 decks yeah including the ruhan one that you're building now okay uh, you have six monocolor decks yeah or have had six monocolor decks okay 19 two color decks and nine three color decks um, okay that sounds about right yeah and it, it it makes a lot of sense considering like two color is just like it's conceptually much easier to like handle like you're not doing too many things things aren't being watered down it's it's kind of focused um, i feel like with two colors i have a pretty good handle of what each of the two colors is supposed to be able to do yeah and oftentimes you get a sense of sort of a lot of the themes that are fit that, that wizards fits in those two color options and if they're not really what you're interested in then you don't really tend to go that way whereas with three color three colors is sort of all over the place it can kind of be whatever you want it to be you know if you're willing to go three colors well then you pick your theme and then just pick the three colors that make that theme so it uh yeah sort of runs that way it's it's very interesting looking at my three color decks that i have because most of them are uh the same color identities so i've got like a handful of uh blue black green so like mimeoplasm my uh ukima kazer deck yeah moltrotha um but then i also have uh a couple uh white black red decks um it, it, and then like i think two jun decks so it's like it, it it makes sense it like i would gravitate towards certain color identities uh based on the things i want to do in my decks right um and it was it was interesting too to see your monocolor decks specifically i've got four monocolor decks four okay. two color decks and nine three color decks but with yeah. my monocolor decks it was either black or red yeah with yours uh they definitely fell f- like more broadly across the spectrum uh yeah but according to your architect you've never built a mono white deck that doesn't surprise me it doesn't no no white white fills in fills in the blanks for so many other colors i think about the pairings with white and i'm excited to to do every one of those i know i've done a red white deck i know i've done i I have a white green deck right now uh white blue is a deck that i've done more than once Uh, and white black white black is my favorite color pairing and i know i've only done one deck with it but that may change we'll see the problem is um when I get a deck that I like, I don't tend to build another deck in that same color pair. So while there might not be a lot of Orzhov decks listed, boy, green is my favorite. And I would, be, I would build a bunch, but uh, trying to, you know, spread my, spread my collection around a little bit and, and make sure that I've got all, uh, you know, more of the bases covered as opposed to just mm. building Orzhov every time. Yeah. It's definitely interesting. Cause, uh, You've got two green monocolor decks and two blue monocolor decks, um, which which just surprised me considering. What like, was the other green monocolor? Uh, Colvori. I don't know if you ever built it, but I don't think I ever built it. Oh well. Data skewed. Let's delete the whole episode. <laughs> Do you have like a favorite archetype, or a least favorite archetype? Well, favorite archetype. That one's easy. Um, it's tokens. Uh, as as much as i wish that it wasn't the difficulty is that 
Tokens is, is, is a, an archetype that really can be built in any color, in any color pairing. It just seems like every single color pairing has like a strong, like some sort of a deck with a strong token theme. Mm-hmm. Whether you're building merfolk or you're build, you know, I mean, black, white has inklings and all of, all of the zombies and all of the soldiers, it's something that's there no matter what, what set of colors I'm using to build the deck. So um, yeah. I tend, and I tend to gravitate towards it and I've tried to fight that. I've tried to pick other things and be like, no, no, we're not doing tokens this time. Let's find something else. So I'm like, so I said to myself, okay, well, you know what? Let's go with red blue. Cause that's just going to be sorceries and instants. And yeah, there'll be a couple of tokens because, you know, the sources and instance will make some tokens, but it'll be fine. And then I lo- started looking at the commanders and figuring out what I wanted to do. And I'm like, you know what? The one I really want to build is broody clad. Like, oh, you idiot. Of course. <laughs> I mean, so you should just have just multiple broody not... clad decks. I could. I could. I could do four different broody clad decks, but... <laughs> Uh, my least favorite archetype for me to play something that has a lot of effects that trigger because I get so annoyed with myself when I miss triggers. It, it's one thing, you know, when you've got a bunch of triggers on your upkeep, you know, I just put a coin or something on top of my deck. So before I reach for it, I have to take the coin off. Well, if I have to take the coin off, it means there's something going on in my upkeep that I should be doing. So I just look at every card and work through any of the upkeep requirements. But when it's something that says, you know, when your opponent does X, do this, do Y. Like, okay, but now I have to pay attention and make sure I never miss X. And then suddenly I've got three different things going and I'm trying to pay attention to all of it at once. And invariably I miss triggers. We'll go finish that person's turn, go on to the next turn. And I'll look down and be like, no, I forgot all about this card. And it just drives me crazy. So I tend to try and avoid that kind of deck. Um, I'd say for me, my favorite ends up being... Uh, aristocrat uh, I think I just generally yeah. gravitate toward it uh, because it's simple like there's there's very few effects within the idea of aristocrat uh, that work well together and I think with I think one of my favorite things about it is that it does do that incremental thing but it also like it does a few things it utilizes generally crappy cards uh it uh creates incremental value kind of under the radar where uh it sure it does the the little nicks here and there but you can easily build up your board state to have it be a house of cards where if somebody takes out one thing the whole thing tumbles but like with that it like tumbles on them so like right um unless me as the pilot is like paying it like close attention like okay like i can you know detonate this thing now and like win the game it ends up just me being like okay like i just kind of keep building up my wall and then wait until somebody tries to interact with it and then that will probably end the game um which feels almost like i'm playing with my food which feels rude because it is uh but uh, it just takes that moment where I have to figure out, like, okay, does this end now? Um, but I think the other thing, too, is, like, it also, generally speaking, incorporates a lot of graveyard shenanigans, which yeah, is great. Um, 
my least favorite archetype to play, I think is card draw. Um, anything that incorporates a huge amount of card draw is just too much for me. Because I'm like, this feels like, A, this feels like cheating, and two, it just... Then you have a handful of cards, which does feel good. Like, I like incremental yeah. card draw. I love drawing cards throughout mm -hmm. the game. But, like, if you have a handful of, I don't know, 30 cards, how do you decide what to do next? Because as soon as you start doing that, you're going to realize the better play, and then you're going to be like, ah, shit. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> I, I want seven. Yeah. I want seven. I get more than that, and then it turns into this analysis paralysis. Am I, am I doing the right play? I bet there's a way for me to win right now. I, I wish there, I, you know, I wish I could, I mean, I recently had a game where I ended up having, I don't know, over 20 cards in hand. And it was just, you got to put like half the deck down. You're going to be like, all right. Do? Right. I mean, you're scrolling through this, like irrelevant, 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 you know, set that aside. I already played a land for the turn. Clunk. Okay. Now what are these cards? I can play like, Four or five of them. Or there's four or five in my... Now yeah. that I could actually yeah, yeah, yeah. play. I have the mana to play three. It just... Yeah. And I'm, I, just, I'm just not great at it. I get the so. idea behind massive card draw is like... Oh, okay, yeah. now I, I dug into those answers. But like... Then you got to filter, like you said, like you got to filter through to like actually see what you can play. Right. And then um, even beyond like the paralysis of it, it, it is just like, it, at that point, it's just tutoring. Right. <laughs> you know? Well, um, and, and to be fair to people who play a lot of blue, I recently had a game when I had a pile of cards in hand. It was work, trying to work it out, trying to work it out. And I saw a line. I'm like, Okay. But to get there, I need this. And I looked through my hand. I didn't have it. So it was like, how do I draw more cards? I need to draw more cards to make this line work. Okay, well, I can do this and this and this, and that leads to a card draw. No, I can do it. No. No. I did it like seven or eight times before I finally found the card and then was actually able to play through my line and get the win. So I completely understand yeah where you're coming from i get that i get the joy that is that um but it just so often i don't see the line <laughs> so, I, yeah so there are times when it's probably better for me to just have a deck where it's like here this this creature or this creature and you're going to swing so yeah and i think the thing too is like i don't think either verse are saying it's a bad archetype no. it's just dude Card draw, not massive card draw, not yeah. for me. Uh, not my, yeah, not for me. Yeah, uh, we're gonna we're gonna get a uh, back up a little, get a little bit okay. more, I guess, meta, not meta. Uh, Ethereal lore, lore, I guess. Uh, so sure. like, you know, the game, you're two planeswalkers, you're summoning things out of out of the blind eternities. You're like, here's a monster, you know, here's a squirrel here's a a man that flies okay sure uh with with the more recent sets planeswalking has kind of become wishy-washy in terms of like what's going on and people have lost their sparks 
Bruce, you just lost your spark. You are a planeswalker. What plane are you trapped on now? So are you asking my favorite plane? Which one do you frequent the most? I'm going to say Fiora. Okay. I love Conspiracy. I love the set. Um, and I actually kind of like the lore, too. Um, I like that it's really pretty separate from a lot of the rest of Magic. It's, it's legal. There's no reason why Jace or Chandra couldn't go there. But they don't. And so I like the characters. I like the lore that's built up in that space. I built just about just about every single legendary creature that was in the original conspiracy. I think it's also a good place to be to lay low. Most of the intrigue and the danger goes on around the court in the high city. I think you can, uh, as long as you're willing to either keep your head down in Pagliano or just get out of the city, uh, the rest of Fiora is just a fine place to be so i'm gonna i'm gonna go with fiora interesting so yeah Andy, what's your pick i'd probably say arcavius um i don't know i i really like a lot of the mechanics that came out of uh, uh what's that school uh strix haven thank you i don't know i like the mechanics i like the characters uh yeah it felt different enough like, I know a lot of people going into it were like, oh, no, a Harry Potter set. And even, like, as it was being released, that I feel like that kind of stuck around. But, like, I feel like the 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 story, at least, didn't feel like that. Um, I'm excited to see kind of the next time we return, like, what else is on this plane. Because, like, right. they, they made it very clear that Strixhaven is not the plane, and it's not the only school around. Um, but, yeah, that's... Uh, short and sweet answer i guess is Arcadius. yeah i like that i like um, that yeah we are quickly running out of time uh, yeah so i'm gonna i'm gonna end it there um but uh thank you everyone for hanging out thank you so much for listening this was episode 130 next two week we next two weeks we've got you know short little vignettes but i want to i want to thank you bruce for the the past three years of this beautiful podcast man oh man um, I want to thank myself. I want to thank you listeners and watchers out there. If you're not watching on YouTube, go do that. If you are watching on YouTube, press the subscribe button. It uh, You get notified when they get released, which is excellent. Yeah. Um, but that's going to do it for this week and for this season. Oh, we're Temple of Fallspot. We're decks are not optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. I'm Andy. I'm Bruce. Have a great night. May, uh, play some magic for me. And may your fifth land be the devil. Wait, wait. Before you go, I uh, just wanted to say thank you for listening. You can reach out to us via email at falsepodmtg at gmail.com or on Twitter at falsepodmtg. Bruce is at manaburned and I'm at Andy Weekend, though you'll definitely notice I use the podcast Twitter far more often. Now that we've got you here, make sure you subscribe, like, rate us on uh, whatever podcast platform you use. It helps us out. It gets us more reach. Subscribe to us on our YouTube channel. Uh, like a video there. Leave some comments for more casual enjoyment. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back with some more timeless discussions about all things casual. So come hang out and may your fifth land be the temple. Bye-bye. Should I do my best, Bruce? Bye!